Hey everybody, I'm Nick Davis. Welcome to Simply Not Easy, the podcast about simple action steps to improve the journey of your life as I work to improve the journey of my own. Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to Simply Not Easy. Hope you're all having a great day out there today. Muscle Monday, so time to flex, time to get after it, time to get that body doing a lot better. Uh, going off off of a conversation yesterday about calf strains, Achilles ruptures, we're going to bridge right in today to Achilles tendinopathy. Now, we've certainly uh, talked previously on these different muscle episodes about uh, the gastroc, the soleus, the whole tricep serrate calf complex, so that's always fine to revisit if you need a bit of a refresher. Um, but anyways, this group of muscles, they're responsible for plantar flexing, kind of coming up on your toes, and having strength and stability through that area, as well as an intense amount of force generation for power and eccentric control when landing down in a smooth, controlled motion. All right, this is your typical jump rope muscle. So, for Achilles tendinopathies, right, what are the things we want to consider? And again, it's either a tendinopathy or... Uh, sometimes referred to as a tendinosis. It's really not tendinitis at all because it's not a acute inflammatory nature. As we look at the cellular pathology, it's rather more of a degeneration of part of the matrix um, and a whole cascade of events that occur. But it is not a one moment of, okay, there's this cause for acute inflammation in this area. Right, this is much more of a chronic condition that has to be managed and rehabbed through. So, location, location, location. Location absolutely matters in the management. So, if this is a insertional Achilles tendinopathy, right, where it's right down where it touches on the calcaneus, that has a poor prognosis. Not a, again, not that it can't be done, but a, it's less likely to respond as strongly to conservative care to physical therapy. And a lot of that is because of the blood supply in this area um, in that tendon and thesis. It just doesn't have that same amount of really capability of blood flow going through a force um, to be able to make changes, right? It's like we see in different parts of the meniscus or other structures in our body. Okay, this is more likely to heal because it has a greater blood supply, it has a greater vascular uh, component to it has all these other factors involved. That's one of the things here. And so with this, right, whereas these patients are typically have a higher irritability on average than a mid-portion uh, strain, what we have to do is we say, okay, let's limit the range of motion of these exercises so it's not stretched overly in a large amount of dorsiflexion. We want, that's something that we want to be able to manage for these people. So again, the majority of tendinopathies are usually a period of kind of vast overuse, but the issue isn't in just in the overuse alone. It's the overuse that gets them a little bit inflamed, irritated, but the real pathology takes place in the rest period after. And let's not think of this like a deliberate rest. Let's think of this as a rest where, okay, over time, you just disuse it, disuse it, disuse it. That's doing nothing to stimulate or strengthen the tendon whatsoever. And it's not encouraging it to remain to 
have its robust nature, its variability, and the things that it needs to remain healthy. So, for insertional, again, that's likely, less likely to respond to conservative physical therapy compared to a mid-portion. Mid-portion, right, for where in the tendon we want to be able to look at, we're able to crank into that range a little bit more. We're able to get them into that dorsiflexion. We're able to influence them in that way for really what they need. So, let's talk about how do we load these things up. We know that insertional is gonna be more mid-range. I'm not going into deep dorsiflexion, whereas mid-portion, you can go into dorsiflexion strengthening throughout that full range. Again, partially with irritability considered as well and that mid-portion is much, much more likely to respond to conservative physical therapy treatment if under the right management and right care and right guidelines. So we've got a couple different schools of thoughts, theories, both backed and supported by research, and no clear delineation to which one is superior um, for a large group of people. Now part of this might be patient by patient base. To load these up, um, you know, in the very acute stage, We've got the work, the research by Jill Cook, who I'm a huge fan of for tendinopathy stuff. Um, so check out a lot of her stuff, and a lot of that is talking about can we get isometrics going, um, especially isometrics in a somewhat slightly lengthened position to tolerance, right, where you're holding that for about 45 seconds or so. And that stimulates certain properties within the tendon. Um, and a huge analgesic effect, right? So that's more for symptom management getting you on the right track, starting to have the tendon experience some load to truly start healing, not just calming the system down. But then after that, right, we got to load you up. And again, there are different ways of progressing through some of these, but the one main research protocol out there is the Alfredson protocol. And without getting into history too much, it was basically a uh, uh, surgical, I believe it was resident, he might have been a surgical fellow at the time, not sure. He had a near, a close to rupture of the Achilles, right? Where he was basically hanging on by, you know, threads left. And so the legend, the story goes that he talked to his surgeon, his superior, and said, hey, man, can you can you do this repair, right? I'm, I'm hurting, I'm suffering, can you do this repair on me? And he basically, boss man said, no. I need you in here, the hospital's busy, we need you doing these surgeries, I can't have you laid up and non-weight bearing, we need your help. So not because of the tissue itself, right, but because there's still uh, some fibers attached, again, I don't know if it was 50% of fibers attached, 25% of them attached, but there are still fibers attached. And they talked about, okay, let's wait it off. So the, he said, this, the head surgeon said, I'm not going to do it unless everything's torn. So, Alfredson, alright, we'll go with surgical fellow for now, because uh, I'm not remembering perfectly. He said, okay, let me do everything I can to make sure I get the surgery. So what did he do? He did some insane, insane loading to that tendon. So, two, two times a day, every morning, every night, for a long time, he said, okay, I'm going to do off the edge of the stairs. I'm going to do three sets of 15 calf raises, single leg, and this is killing him, this is hurting him, he's in pain with this, right? I mean, he's in like five, six out of ten pain, 
every single rep with this, and he's just like struggling them out. And he's doing on a torn Achilles, partially torn Achilles, he's doing 180 reps a day of single leg loading. Because in his mind, he's saying, okay, let me do everything I can, everything I possibly can to break this damn thing so I can get my surgery, so I can get my repair. But here's what he found. He went back to do imaging later and had actually healed. It was far more healed after he went through that loading. So therefore, his life's work became dedicated to understanding and helping us better understand a lot of these tendinopathy issues where there are these tears and tendons and how through large, significant, repetitive, frequent loading, they can actually heal, not get torn more. And that kind of created a lot of questions in the scientific community at that time. So that's the Alfredson protocol, especially for Achilles tendons, but we apply this to other areas. As we, we can apply this to other areas as well and extrapolate uh, whether we should or not. It's another question. But three sets of 15, twice a day, single leg calf raises for each leg. So you're hitting that for the one leg, then the other leg. ton of reps for that. Now, as we continue to go forward, we've got another option, right? So that's just that it's not a lot of rest combined at all, really. It's more of, okay, let me load this sucker up because it has been loaded up. Again, the issue is not a vast, huge overload. It's more of a lack of load is where the issue lies. So now we've got this whole idea of heavy, slow resistance loading, where it's not just about can you get your body weight under there, but can you like can you lift heavy, a bunch of weight in there, so somewhere between eight, so really anywhere between like five to sometimes 12 reps, but usually closer to, to 10 as the max, right? Can you lift as much as you can, load through that full range for that tendon and really promote healing? Now, just like strength training, right? We're not strength training and doing the same exact exercise for strength training for truly gonna get stronger that one day, the next day after. That's just not realistic. That's not what we'd expect to happen to get any kind of good result. But what can we do? Well, part of it is, okay, let's do that heavy, slow resistance where it's up, slow, concentric, hold isometric, down, slow, eccentric with a ton of load through that sucker. So what we can do after that is we can say, okay, let's take a rest day the next day, recover, right? We know that when we load tendons like that, they have a natural muscular response, a good response for about, oh, two to four hours after that is pro inflammatory that actually promotes more inflammation as kind of the spark plug of the healing process for it, if you will. Whereas later on in that time period, we have more of an anti-inflammatory effect that actually peaks at around uh, 36 hours or so, typically is what I've seen. Um, but anywhere from like four to 36 hours or so, we've got more anti-inflammatory, which means we've got to load that area up and if we don't load the area up, we're doing it a disservice. But it also needs that recovery time, especially with the high load and that heavy slow resistance. And ultimately, the research on these is fairly equivocal. Um, Alfredson's been around for longer, but again, this is something to consider for rehab. You know, where do you go? Does somebody have experienced strength training or do they need to get back to strength training? Well, let's make it salient for them and applicable for the tissue. 
almost give them more heavy, slow resistance as their irritability is ready. Are they not? They kind of need it simple. They don't have access to weights, or they're not motivated to, they're nervous, too scared to, right? You might go with Alfredson just to kind of match the individual patient more. Um, but there's not a lot of evidence to say, oh, I'm going to do this one to match the tendon better. Kind of different physiological theories we're working with. So that's what I got for y'all. A little bit about Achilles tendinopathy. Again, not tendinitis. Um, with some insight into tendinopathies, tendinopathy management in the rest of our body. And kind of what we can, what we're able to do based on that. And what we're able to show. Alright y'all, thanks for tuning in, keep those calves pumping, keep them strong, simply, not easy.